Welcome to the Kettle Call Podcast. This is our episode number seven and the second episode of the Feedlot Research Series. As we mentioned in our last Feedlot Research Series, in the next month, we will be summarizing Feedlot Research papers related to protein nutrition in the audio version, but we also have the printed version that's in our Kettle Call newsletter. If you want to receive our newsletter, make sure to subscribe by using the link in the description of this episode or by sending an email to kettlecallucd at gmail.com with the title subscription, and we will add you to the list. Announcements made? Let's go ahead and call Brooke Latex to join our call. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a cattle call. Perfect. Thank you, Brooke. One more time to be joining us today in our call. Can you tell us more about the paper that we are going to be discussing today? Who are the authors and where and when it was conducted? Sure. So I'll just start with the title of the paper that we're looking at this week. It's titled Influence of Levels of Supplemental Urea on Characteristics of Digestion in Growth Performance performance of feedlot steers fed a fat supplemented high energy finishing diet. And this was done by Zinn et al. down here at our UC Desert Research and Extension Center. It was published in 1994. And what they were looking to do with this specific study was evaluate the effects of the level of urea supplementation on the growth performance of the calf-fed Holstein steers in the feedlot. But specifically, they wanted to look at the steers that, that were fat supplemented and on a high energy diet. Perfect. That's good, Brooke. So that was a little over 25 years ago. And one thing that we noticed by talking with Dr. Z is that besides here in the Valley in Arizona, not a lot of other places were feeding high fat diets in the feedlot. Right, exactly. So they were trying to figure out what that interaction would be between that fat supplementation and this extra urea that they wanted to also supplement with. That's a great point. By looking at the, the table in the paper, we can observe that this was a very high fat diet, over 7.5% fat in the diet when we, we usually try to keep that below fat 7%. So that was a lot of fat in the diet. And can you tell us like how many animals they use, how they did that, and what are the, the major findings that you have from, from this project? Sure. So they used 32 cap-fed Holstein steers. At the time of the study, they were about 780 pounds, and they sorted those 32 Holsteins into four pens, so eight animals a pen. And the way they ran it is they had four feeding periods, and each feeding period was 35 days. And they, had, they also had four treatments, and I'll explain the treatments in a second. But they had four treatments. So each pen was fed each of the treatments over those four feeding periods. So the treatments that they used, we're looking at diets with different inclusion of urea. So the first treatment was 0%, second treatment 0.8% urea, third treatment 1.2% urea, and the fourth treatment was 1.6% urea. All of the treatments had about 11 to 12% crude protein. And so when we're looking at the results of this, they saw that the inclusion of urea may improve growth performance. But one thing that they saw that was surprising to them was that the observed versus expected net energy increased as they increased urea inclusion. And so that was interesting to them because urea has a net energy of zero. And so when you when you're including that at higher levels, you expect that the dietary net energy would go down. But they saw with those animals that the observed versus expected actually went up with urea inclusion. And then the other thing they saw from a digestion standpoint was that starch digestion in the rumen also increased. That's that's great, Brooke. And I, I agree with you. I think the major take home 
acids, the improvement in the energy utilization, and also those improvements, room low starch disability, as well as improvement in total track organic matter disability. And as we can see, based on this paper, even though we are feeding over 7% fat in the diet, we can still supplement in urea up to one and a half or 1.2%. One of the very interesting things that we also learned by, by studying this paper and looking at different publications that came after is the buffer capacity that urea has in the rumen when we supplement that in the diet, right? Yeah, exactly. This paper that we were just looking at, they were looking at urea as a non-protein nitrogen, but other studies looked at it from a sort of different perspective from a buffer capacity. Yes, exactly. And that's something that we also learned by talking with Dr. Z and, and reading his his work is that the, the buffer capacity that, that urea has, and we can use that as, as a supplement or an additive to help buffer in the pH in the rumen. And as we can see, the urea is, is a very, considered a very cheap source of, of buffer that we can add in our, our diets, right? Exactly, yes. Yeah, that's that's a, a very good point. And, and we know like when we break down, we produce the ammonium and that's going to take a high hydrogen from the rumen. So that's why it has a good good buffering capacity in the rumen. One of the important take-home messages also when we're supplementing urea is that we have to make sure that we have to adapt those animals, right, Brooke? Yeah, so you don't want to start off on a high urea diet right away when they're just coming into the feedlot, especially with the calf-fed Holsteins and when they're not adapted to it. So best practices would be to start them on half of what you anticipate giving them. So in our diets, we give about a half a percent for a week or two right after they get here, get them adapted, and then we can bring them up to that higher urea level. Perfect. That's a, that's a very important point. We have to adapt those animals to the urea levels that we expect them to feed them. So what we learned from these studies is that we can feed urea. Urea is a cheap source of protein, but also a cheap buffering that we can put in the diet. And often when we are formulating diets, we look at the urea fermentation potential or UFP. And one thing that we learned is that there is no detrimental effect when we overfeed that, right, bro? we can go over a little bit and we'll have no negative effect by overfeeding uh, urea in the diet, right? Exactly. And I think that's a really, really important part here. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, the biggest take-home message is that urea can work as a good source of protein for high-fat diets, even in non-high-fat diets is a good and cheap source of protein, but also it's a cheap source of buffering that we can add to our diets. And there's no negative effect in overfeeding uh, urea if you adapt those animals to those diets. So those are the biggest take-home messages that I have from this feedlot call. And I'm not sure if you have anything else to add, bro. No, I think you got everything right there. Perfect. Okay, that's our quick call for today. Thank you very much, Brooke. I think that's that's a good message. And I, I hope people who are listening to us can understand the benefits of feeding urea in feedlot diets. And please, if you have questions, send an email to kettlecallucd at gmail.com. If you want to receive the papers that we just talked about, send a, an email to us with the title paper request and we'll send the papers to you and don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter to receive a monthly newsletter with the research brief from this paper that we just talked about follow us on instagram and our social media so don't forget and thank you brooke once again and just so we don't forget is it a good time for a call it's always a great time for a cattle call thank you thank you